And we welcome you back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5, the game live here on a Thursday morning as we are broadcasting from Pete and Terry's Tavern, Bridgestone Arena, the season opener, home opener for the Predators against the Minnesota Wild tonight. And we kick off Hour 3 with our buddy Joe Rexroad from The Athletic. Rex, good morning. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm in a stable place for you, Nick, so I think my phone will work. I'm in my car. Gus is outside. His barking can't bother us. I think we're in a really good place this morning. Okay. Uh, One of the things that I want to get to right out of the gate here is your latest on The Athletic regarding Derek Mason and Vanderbilt. And a piece, a little excerpt, you say, quote, it's okay to appreciate that and acknowledge two bowls in three seasons and a personality that is refreshing in his profession and still expect head coach Derek Mason to do more with this team. So uh, take us behind the scenes. What is the latest at The Athletic and what exactly more do you need from the head coach, Derek Mason? Well, a win this this Saturday. I mean, I think this is, and man, I know I got to do a hyperbole check on myself a lot, you know, in this job. But uh, I think this is one of the biggest games of Derek Mason's tenure, and I think it's definitely a defining moment for this season. I mean, if you look at what's ahead, you know, they lose this game, and it's hard for me to imagine that they are better than two and seven entering the final three. The final three, I think Vanderbilt could win all of them. Um, that's Kentucky at home, ETSU at home, and then at Tennessee. But, you know, you lose this game, and, and, and now you got to make one up in, in a much tougher game somewhere to have a chance at the end. And I just think, you know, people are going to tune out if you lose this game. And, and you don't want that as a coach. You know, you don't want apathy. I think we're seeing a lot of that this fall from Vanderbilt fans. Um, it's, a, it's a bad thing for a coach. And I think – to keep everyone engaged, you know, I think this is a massively important game. I, there is nothing, you know, I thought they fought against Georgia, you know, LSU, obviously they couldn't stop that offense. Th- those games are fine. The, the loss at Purdue was a really bad performance. That's a bad Purdue team. And then last week, I mean, really they're one bad snap away from that wheel route, putting them down with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, so there's a lot of improvement needed and of course I wrote about this too because the whole Jared Pinckney thing last week it's one of those deals where you can just see people who don't know him or or the the entirety of the situation totally misunderstanding that and you can see it hurting him and so I wanted to write about that too because um, you know I think Jared Pinckney first of all I get his frustration and also I think that people who don't know him maybe took that wrong. You know, Joe. It, you know, first, certainly apathy is an issue that every Vanderbilt coach has to face, just in general. So there's a certain level of that. But right. now there's more. You said you think they could win those last three. I don't know if you guys have seen these Vegas odds. I know Nick will like this. Right now, Tennessee is a ten point favorite over Vanderbilt. A ten point favorite over Vanderbilt right now. Currently, if you're going to go wager on that game, that, that that's Vegas telling you that they still think that Tennessee with losses. And the way they performed is still the better football team right now with home field advantage at the end of the year. Are you surprised at that number? And I mean, again, both teams could be going into that that game at like three and eight or something like that. Yeah. Well, there's another line in this column in which I said, you know, Vanderbilt just a name means they're a three point underdog. 
you know, to buy. You know, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Vegas has as much regard for Vanderbilt as you know. You know how lines work. I mean, I mean, Vegas ends up being pretty much on the mark a lot of times, but it, you know, you see sometimes the lines are inflated for the, for the teams with big fan bases too, right? And uh, you know, I just I, I think that line's crazy. Um, it'll be interesting to see as the game approaches how that changes, but I think Vanderbilt is just disregarded. Even by Vegas, you know, even though they they pick apart every little thing about teams. I mean, I, you tell me. Do you think that line it, it seems right? I, I I think I still think Vanderbilt's a better team than Tennessee. Maybe I'm maybe uh, you know I, I, I'm I off know. on that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's the lesser of two evils at this point. But I I don't know. I think the line's probably about I, I you know maybe seven. But I think the line's about right. I don't. I mean, that's that's how poorly Vanderbilt's played this year. Yeah, well, that, that's fair. I mean, that's the thing. Ole Miss is a seven-point favorite, and I still think Vanderbilt should win this game. I really do, uh, and I think they're going to give up points in this game. But I think the concerning thing about Vanderbilt is the offense. Uh, the offense, um, you know, I think there's way too much talent, obviously, and we talk about the, the big three, but even the offensive line, I think, should be performing a lot better than it did against Northern Illinois. Maybe Devin Cochran getting into the mix a little more in another week will help. But Riley Neal has got to play a lot better, of course. And I still, I think some of Jared Pinkney's frustration is that Riley Neal's not looking at him, and then when he does, he, he's throwing, you know, passes ten yards over his head. You know, Riley Neal is critical for this week and beyond, um, just to be to be good, to be solid. And I think this team can score a lot of points on a lot of the teams left on its schedule. Yeah, Riley Neal has been. Um, he hasn't been um, the reason why they have won the games. And he should be, um, considering he's played a lot of football and they got enough weapons on the offensive side of the ball that his his play should be a lot easier than than what it has been. I know they wish they had Kyle Shermer another year um, in that offense. Um, and maybe, just maybe, they will be doing a lot better. I want to um, switch gears here with the uh, Tennessee Titans. Um, is this is is this a game where I'm not going to say it's it's the end all be all that it's a must win? Um, for the Titans moving forward. But is is this a game against the Buffalo Bills after they dominated Cleveland in the first game and then Atlanta last game? Is this, this is this the game where, you know, they must show as an offense, not even as a defense, but they must show as an offense, even if they don't win this game, that they're taking steps forward to being an efficient offense? Yeah, although I think – Honestly, I think they could play pretty well as an offense, and if they get to 20, you know, that's not bad. I, I really mm-hmm. think this is an excellent Buffalo defense. But, yeah, I mean, I think we know now, and we knew already, that this defense, you're going to be able to rely on this defense to, to be solid and sound. So don't put it in bad spots like Adoree Jackson did at Jacksonville. Um, but for the most part, you know, they're going to keep you in games. That defense should keep this team in every game left on the schedule. The offense is the variable Obviously, great, you know, two-receiver attack last week with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. You, you want to keep that going. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is a really good Buffalo defense. I mean, I just feel like this game is just screams 17-13 to me. And as far as just the overall result, I mean, look, you win this game and then you try to get some momentum, you lose it. And, and why would anyone think this team's any better than, a, than an 8-8 eight eight team this season? Joe Rexroad from The Athletic joining us here on Morning Drive. Let's actually go from Nashville to Knoxville. 
I saw a lot of chatter in the last 48 hours or so about Philip Fulmer, and he had to, you know, basically deny any interest in ever wanting to coach again. Are you buying it? Yeah, well, you know, I was on with uh, Darren Donick and Chase yesterday, and uh, um, I told him I was 95% sure Pruitt would be the coach, <clears throat> excuse me, to start next season. And they, I mean, they clowned me a little bit on that. But I found out this morning on Twitter that Braden is 99.999% sure. So yep. Braden is even more confident than me. But I think we are on the same page on that. I don't, I don't see how there's any way it makes sense to, one, pay not just Pruitt's buyout, but, you know, the multi-year assistant uh, contract buyout. That's, you know, you're, you're in about 15 mil right there. Admit you were totally wrong with this hire and install yourself. And I know there's, there's certainly chatter about that out in college football circles, but why would, I mean, why would Fulmer volunteer that last night? I mean, he wasn't put on the spot like, you tell us right now, Philip, are you coaching or not? He volunteered. Of course he's going to say, oh, I believe in Pruitt. That's run-of-the-mill stuff from an AD. But why is he volunteering that his coaching days are done? So that in three weeks he can say, ah, just kidding, everybody. You know, I just fired Pruitt and I'm the coach. I just think it's a, it's a cockamamie theory. And I understand there are people out there talking about it. People who know stuff are talking about it. But I've never bought it for a second. Rex, good stuff as always. We appreciate the time. We will chat with you again next week. All right, guys. Thanks. You got it. Joe Rex Road from The Athletic. And I'm thinking about this. Like, Philip Fulmer, from a head coaching standpoint, pretty good legacy. You know, he didn't go out on top. They struggled at the end of his run. But beloved, though. But why would point. you want to come back when the program is at rock bottom? Because if you struggle, then it's like, okay, you made a mistake with Pruitt. You whacked him. You showed selfishly you want the job. You came back. And then if you fail... Then it's a whole a total disaster. Well, I, I and I would I'll push back on that a little bit. I think it's a hundred percent a possibility next year. Uh, I don't think it's a possibility this year. First of all, coaches have enormous egos, so there's also very little to lose. Mm. If Fulmer steps in when they're one and five next year, mm-hmm. and he steps in and takes over the job, he's got nothing to lose. His legacy isn't tarnished by taking over a dumpster fire program and coaching six games. There, there's no there's no, there's nothing to lose. But if they win a couple games. It cements his legacy forever. Like I, I just don't think there's anything to lose for him if he does that. Also, these coaches have massive egos. The reason it's not happening this year is the buyout, as Joe pointed out, is just mm-hmm. ridiculously big for all these guys. Number two, it's, it's going to hang around his neck. If he fires Jeremy Pruitt, he has to then step to the podium and say, I was wrong because I picked this guy. So it's his ego and his neck on the line if he fires him. And let's just be honest, and you say this all the time, Derek, you cannot evaluate a head yeah. football coach in 20 games. You can, you, you can barely do it in 36 games, which is three years, let alone, you know, really four years is what you need. Um, now, some guys are so bad mm-hmm. that you can evaluate it a little quicker. I think Chip Kelly at San Francisco maybe is an example. But it, it, it's generally you need at least three seasons to truly make a decision on a coach. And um, it just doesn't benefit Tennessee in any category to be doing this this year and to having this conversation. This is from outside media, outside mm-hmm. people saying that the story is that this is going to happen because Fulmer has a history of backstabbing and taking over jobs. That, that, that's all in the past. It, it well, may happen next year uh-huh. if they go 3-9 and nine this year and then 1-5 and five next year and all of a sudden Pruitt's got like a 10-30 and 30 record, then yeah, maybe it could happen next year. But I don't see it happening this year well, for, it's, for it's, any reason. It's, it's, to me, it's reminiscent of the whole Barry Alvarez thing. 
you know, Barry Alvarez, an iconic, you know, head coach with the Wisconsin Badgers football coach. He goes to Rose Bowls, then he becomes the AD, and then he gets back into the coaching chair um, because the team's bad. For, for a bowl. No, yeah. no, well, no for, for the bowl, bowl game. For yeah, for the yeah. bowl game. Because uh, I think it was Bielema left for the Arkansas job. Exactly, yeah. He so he steps back in and, 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 and get those juices to flowing again. Um, does Philip Fomer want to do that again at his at his age? I know you see Mac Brown doing it. I know you see Les Miles and, and Kansas sort of getting that program. Easy sort of kind of. Yeah, but, but they got two wins, <laughs> and they sort of kind of are starting to edge back up a little bit. But he see the old these older coaches, you know, uh, Herm Edwards, these older coaches doing it. I, I just um, so does he Herm's eventually, or does he eventually I, want to, you know, if this thing doesn't work, give himself a shot? To your point, at coaching. To your point, Nick, about like why? Because coaches think they're perfect. They all think they can fix everything. Why do you draft Maurice Claret? Because I think I can fix him, Mike Shanahan. Why do you draft? Why do you keep signing Vontez Perfect? Because you think you can fix him. Every coach thinks that they've got the solution to whatever the problem is, and every single coach, including Philip Fulmer, with their large egos, says, "Oh, I'll I'll, I'll do better with that program than he's doing." It doesn't matter who the he is. They just always think that they can do unless better. Unless the he is winning nine, ten games. Yeah, well, or unless the he is the guy you hired to do exactly. the job. And, and so, again, I, I think there's 100% a possibility he does it next year. I, don't think, that, I think there's a 0% chance it happens this I year. I can't see him taking the job this year. And it would be only for – by the way, let's make sure it's clear. It's only a temporary thing. It'd be he would take over on, at an interim basis for five or six games and then hire a new coach the next year. He would not be hiring himself to be the head coach long term. All right, coming up next, we will stay in Knoxville. Uh, very disturbing stuff. That's next on Morning Drive, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN <laughs> 102.5, the game live this to morning. P-A-C. Pete and Terry's Tavern <laughs> at Bridgestone Arena. So uh, one of the things that has transpired in Knoxville is a little disturbing. You go back to uh. Jeremy Banks' arrest uh, earlier this fall, late summer, and the video has surfaced across the Internet, and TMZ Sports is where I saw it, and it's disturbing with the way he says what he says about police officers, but also following that, some of the quotes from Jeremy Pruitt, uh, and I'll just read you a couple of them. Pruitt told the officer, quote, I thought he had paid the ticket and asked the officer, why do you have to arrest him just because he has a warrant? <laughs> And then Pruitt goes on to say, this is uh, yeah. the silliest bleep I've ever seen in my life. I've got it. I understand. I've worked at four places, but I've never had to uh, deal with any crap like this except for here. Go ahead. Do your civic duty, man. Well, and the officer, like, what I love is, hey, do you have to arrest him just because he's got a warrant? And the officer has to explain to the coach that he is legally obligated to, yes, in fact, arrest Jeremy Banks. What I want to know when is, there is a warrant out for if his all arrest. that stuff was taken care of, why then does he have a warrant out for his arrest? That's what I don't understand. Well, it wasn't. That was the whole thing. It wasn't taken. It care wasn't. Of. He, there was a warrant. So none. Of, so, so none of what Jeremy Pruitt said was well, he, so correct. He, yeah. So he. Well, he just said, "Hey, I thought it was paid for." Da da da, and it, and it wasn't. So. Um, it, what he's saying here is he wants the police department to help cover up and protect his players. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's had to basically come out and apologize. It, you know, it, it's, it's why he's basically saying, listen, you know, first of all, I, I don't have a problem with a player when he is in trouble calling the head coach. 
That's I, what I, he should do. I, under, I understand that, but that is where Jer- Jeremy Pruitt then needs to sort of either delegate that to mm-hmm. someone else in charge who can go do it because it does sound like Pruitt was asleep like when he took mm-hmm. the phone call. Um, but then you also have to cooperate with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the nature of the what, – what this is is Jeremy Pruitt just once again – Sort of like in the same three-week span where he's called his team the Titanic, mm-hmm. said his team is 100 times better than it was last year. You know, even from the very first press conference, the whole thing has looked too big for him. This is one of those where he's going like, hey, I, I these are football players. We treat them differently than regular citizens. Mm-hmm. And we know that football players get gets preferential treatment around campus, right? Well, athletes, period. Right. Athletes, 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 yeah. Exactly. Athletes get preferential treatment, whether it's at a bar uh-huh. or – you know, whatever. We know that athletes get treated differently than the regular college student. And certainly there are some – like, look at Jameis Winston in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. The police department didn't investigate a, a sexual assault allegation for over a year for literally no reason at all other than the fact that this was the Heisman Trophy, you know, caliber quarterback. So we know that there are some police departments out there that just look out for their, their teams. And for Jeremy Pruitt to suggest that this officer shouldn't do his job – yeah. I, like and to talk to the officer, like I don't, I don't put the officer on the phone is what he's probably saying to Jeremy Banks, and like you don't do that, nah. you just don't. It's just dumb. Why get in the middle of it? Have let the officer do his job, and then talk to your player after it's over. Well, it should be someone um, that because I'm pretty sure at two o'clock in the morning, no one's calling Nick Saban. They're calling that guy that's next to Nick Saban, <laughs> and then that guy take care of whatever he needs to take care of and then at the proper time if it's warranted call Nick Saban and say listen this is what we got going on they're not making a call directly to Nick Saban we're making a call to someone that has Nick Saban's permission to to take care of to take care of business um, the way it needs to be taken care of Um, you know the officer did exactly what he was supposed to do if if you got a warrant out for your arrest regardless of who you are Hey, listen, I got to take you in if I don't, because everything's recorded. If I don't take you in, then it's my job that's on the line. I got a family to feed. So maybe, yeah, it might be a little silly, but I still got to do it, you know. And if we handle it right, you know, if you handle it right as a player, if you handle it right as a coach and as an officer, this thing could get taken care of. Because it seemed like it was just a parking ticket or speeding ticket something, and he didn't pay it, so they issued. It's not like he robbed something. It's just that they didn't take care of it when it needed to be taken care of. And eventually, after 30, 45 days, they issue an arrest, a warrant for your arrest, just to get you back in court so you can get, take care of whatever it is you need to take care of. I think uh, Jeremy handled it wrong. He just handled it yeah. completely wrong. Yeah. The player handled it completely wrong. And, and I, and I, but I'm giving – and this is why it's very critical and crucial – for especially in certain certain areas of the world, certain neighborhoods, that that individuals and officers must have a really good rapport in relationships. Because if this is all that I've seen, yeah. if in my mind the police are the bad people, regardless of what, then when I leave, I still got that mentality. Right. Regardless of what happens, I still have that mentality. That's why it's crucial. And you talked about the whole Ed Reed you know, um, speech thing during the um, Hall of Fame. If you have a good relationship 
with the officers in your community or a good experience, a, a good experience yeah. with the officers in your community. Then when you leave that community right. and go to a new community, you still will have that same well, thought. And, and I, not it, but get, it doesn't excuse what he's no, saying. No question. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think it's important that, that both things can exist. Right. Exactly. We can say, hey, Jeremy Banks was inappropriate to tell a police officer, hey, where I come from, exactly. we, we shoot at you guys. Like, that's just stupid. You can't do that. But we also have to have some understanding of where he came from and the situation he grew up in and how that's a different situation than how I grew up, right? Exactly. Like, I never grew up in that situation. But I, I do, and I will say this, not to get off on a different tangent here, it's why we're seeing so many police forces now, you know, kind of integrate their officers into the communities more. Like, like from a demographic standpoint, they represent their communities more. They live in the neighborhoods more because what it used to be in America is you used to know everybody. Yeah. And everybody knew each other and lived the same lives together so that when there was a problem, you knew everyone was working together to help solve the problem for the right reasons. And I think that's a, a, a new thing that's happening now across the country, which is great, in no small part to what Colin Kaepernick did. Mm-hmm. Don't fool yourself about that, raising awareness. But it, it's also just... You know, because we have situations like this, and we look at and Pruitt. To me, the issue with Pruitt for me is just the complete tone deafness and understanding of the situation. Mm-hmm. Just to, just to, like, if you you are if you really care about growing young men and being a leader of young men and being a teacher of young men, which is what these coaches all claim this BS claim in their press conference. Mm-hmm. No, you get paid all that money to have one more point on the scoreboard than the other guy. But but. Some of them will do this whole thing, like where, hey, it's about taking care of young people and, you know, I'm a father figure. And if that's all true, what you say to Jeremy Banks is you say, Jeremy, what is the police officer telling you? There's a warrant out for your arrest. Do as he says, and then we'll deal with the consequences afterward. Exactly. That is what I would tell my child. Like, if you're truly playing that role, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be attacking an officer for doing his job while you're sitting there saying, well, when I'm in Tuscaloosa, everybody gets away with everything. When I'm in Tallahassee, everybody gets away with everything. Like, it's just it's so, it's so tone deaf to reality. 737-1025, the number. Uh, Bob is up next on Morning Drive. What's going on, Bob? Hey, what a segue. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, I think y'all being really hard on him. Uh, as you mentioned, in our culture, uh, in, in different societies, I know he's been to, what, four other cities. Jeremy uh, Banks probably hasn't been living in Knoxville very long, Tennessee, that much. And if, you, if you're not careful, you can be confused about how the laws are applied. If you, if you noticed here in Nashville, um, you know, if he was driving, if Jeremy Banks was driving while Hispanic and not having a, 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 a license, he wouldn't have faced any of these questions, any of these problems. Uh, Mr. Pruitt would have never had to get involved in this. The man would have been let go. So when you talk about, yeah, we got different laws being applied, but when you talk about the police, you don't re- you don't really know how the laws are being applied because they're not being applied uniformly. There's different sets of rules for different sets of people, and that's the society in which we live. So I'm glad y'all wanted to talk about the police enforcement and where Jeremy Pruitt is and where or Jay Pruitt and Jeremy Banks, because it all has to do with police enforcement and the uh, the uh, uneven uh, enforcement of the laws that we have. They're not enforced equally. But but you're yeah. suggesting, but but in your with your point though, Bob, you're suggesting that it's not enforced equally. That Jeremy Banks would be given a break then. Instead, he was. I'm not sure. I don't follow. Well, that. I, I think. It, I mean, I kind of know what he's. I don't know. I, we're not. We're. I don't think we're no more harsh on Jeremy Pruitt than we would be if this happened with Derek Mason, no. or if this no. happened with. Um, he's any trying other to get his co- player exactly, off and t- telling coach. a cop not to do his job. Exactly. I don't know what he's That's talking. what you can't. In this day and age, you can't 
come off as if you're trying to intimidate or bully or say, well, this is what we used to do but over Butch here. Butch Jones had a huge scandal about this almost exact thing. Yeah. He you took d- the call from the police department and f- immediately called them with, with all the allegations that were going on with that situation. Yeah. So. You just got to, I mean, if this happens, it, if it happens again, I'm pretty sure Jeremy Pruitt would handle it a different way. But you can't then insert where you know how things were done in other places you got to deal with the where it's done now the situation and what you say is listen okay you've arrested him we'll take care of it let's get out of let's let's move on as quickly as possible and take care yeah i'm not even addressing the officer because it's not the he's just doing his job and it sounded like he didn't and the video it doesn't look like he's done anything wrong in this situation i'm not addressing and there are police officers that do do things wrong and we understand that this doesn't look like that situation the whole hispanic comment about i just uh, got that one over my i just kind of let what what does that even mean like i don't even know what that means if he doesn't have a license i think he was going down another i know have you paid attention to the news in this country i don't know about latin american people without licenses what are you talking about like i don't i don't understand but we're talking about sports we're talking (laughs) about a head coach and we're talking about a a campus police officer that basically did his job he did nothing wrong other than well he did nothing wrong he arrested a guy that was that had a warrant for out for his arrest the best thing for every every party involved would have been the young man got in the back seat didn't say anything right. or said, can I call my coach? Why are Just, you – Can I call my coach? Why is Pruitt talking to the officer, though? Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that, that, why would you even take the call? At that, take the call from your, from your athlete yeah. and then say – uh, hey, Jeremy, all right, just, just do what he says. All right, we, we we'll, we'll talk it about it tomorrow. Yeah. Like, why are you even putting the officer on? Hey, put the officer on the phone. Let me tell him what he needs to. Why aren't you letting this guy go? Like, what, what are you doing? Like, well, ah, come on. All right, stick to sports. It's coming up at 845 this morning. We're back after this live from Pete and Terry's Tavern, where today you can register to win a pair of tickets to the season opener tonight against the Minnesota Wild. Just stop on out between now and 945, and you might win a pair of tickets. We're back after this on ESPN 1025 again. All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5. The game, good to have you in live from Pete and Terry's Tavern here on a Thursday. Bridgestone Arena season opener, home opener tonight. Don't forget college football. Make your picks for the three college underdogs that you think will win this Saturday. It's time for Silly Underdogs. The weekly winner will get a pair of tickets to an upcoming Nashville sporting event or concert. Just go to thegamenashville.com or play on the mobile app, Silly Underdog Picks. Brought to you by the Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Um, can I? Can I? Can we take a brief, uh, quick break from sports real fast? Are you guys okay with that for just a minute? You know, we don't mind. Um, I'm I, all sports. Down. Yeah. I would like to say thank you um, personally to my man Nick Kale here, um, who's going to come out and play in the golf tournament this evening, this afternoon, with myself and all the wonderful Nashvilleians that help support our charity. Our kids, uh, of course, is a child sexual abuse charity that treats almost a thousand kids in 47 counties across middle tennessee every single year um and uh it's an organization i've worked closely with for for many years and today is our annual golf tournament i know there's a lot going on in nashville today so um we we do appreciate nick and um so many people so many great sponsors so many wonderful people by the way hunt brothers by the way big big partner here um obviously down there providing some food for us tonight ford a few other um Wonderful sponsors, but uh, Nick, thank you for for coming out today and, and playing, and we'll be doing that later this afternoon and getting to a Preds game. So you're going to do a show, a morning show, then play in a, a charity golf tournament to help children, and then 
take your kids to a Preds game, so you've got a really big day. So I do appreciate um, you know you doing that. And yeah, I'm not doing um, the show tomorrow. It, <laughs> it means a lot to me. Pers- it means a lot to me personally. So um, and with that. Uh, let's welcome uh, Executive Director and, and CEO and, and, as I always say, my spirit animal, Sue Fort White, from Our Kids, who's down at Legends right now. Uh, I guess, Sue, you've already sent the first uh, group of people off the golf tournament, so th- thank you for joining us, Sue. How are you? Well, I feel thankful and blessed. And it is a fabulous morning, and we are full. The AM tournament is full, and they were raring to go. So, Sue, uh, obviously, uh, you know, if people listen to this show, they know sort of my involvement with, with what you guys do. But if you want to kind of give everybody a general uh, overview of what our kids is and sort of what our mission is in our community and, and, and what they can do to help. Thank you so much, Braden. Yes, our kids provides medical forensic evaluations and crisis counseling in response to child sexual abuse. Um, we serve 47 counties in Middle Tennessee, and every single year, we evaluate nearly 900 children, and that patient volume makes us one of the largest clinics of our kind in the entire country. We are proud to be a, a, an outpatient clinic of National General Hospital, and um, we have nurse practitioners and social workers that, that are on call every night of the year in case a child is assaulted and needs, needs um, expert medical care immediately. And the other thing I think is really important, and I told the golfers this this morning, they're coming out, they're stepping forward, and they're standing up for every single child in Middle Tennessee because one in four girls and one in seven boys will be sexually abused by age 18. And that really does mean it could happen to, to any child because child sexual abuse happens in every community, urban, rural, rich, poor, every race, every religion. Uh, make sure everybody heard that number. One in four girls and one in seven boys will be will experience some form of sexual abuse before the age of 18, and, and it's why we do what we do. Again, ourkidscenter.com is the website. Uh, you can get to go to my Twitter account, at Braden Gall. I'll be posting out uh, the link to the silent auction. There's so many cool things people can bid on, whether it's a trip to Hawaii, you know, food in the city, um, all kinds of really cool stuff. We've got stock the bar stuff. We've got golf stuff, all kinds of really cool stuff. So that's how you can help. Uh, out there again, I'll check my Twitter account for that at Braden Gall. If you want Sue, if you want Sue Fort White joining us here from our kids, um, Sue, if you what what is something that you want people to learn that maybe you think they don't know about this particular issue um, that you want to make sure that everyone in our community fully understands? Well, I, I want people to fully understand two things. One is that we need to believe and protect children, and you can't do that unless you understand the prevalence of child sexual abuse. And the other thing I really want to say is that there are millions of adult survivors in this country um, uh, that 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 are courageous. You know that that um, you know child sexual abuse does not need to define the child or the family, and it's never too late to heal. And that's what we're about. We're about help, hope, and healing. And so often. We're helping families through a very, one, of the, one of the most traumatic things that's ever happened to them. But what we, what we believe in is the child is resilient, and so is the family. And, um, and we help families through this. Um, people just need to understand the prevalence and, and educate yourself. Find out more so that you can ask questions if your child's going to a sleepover. 
you know, you can you can say, what kind of supervision is in place? Are there older children there? Are they being supervised? Ask the soccer league. Ask the gymnastics uh, league. You know, what are your policies about adults having access to children at one-on-one? I mean, that shouldn't happen. Um, supervision and policies, it's just, it's all really, really important. It's about protecting children. Uh, the R Kids uh, IMI Golf Classic, of course, taking place today. The morning tea time's already off there. Nick and I will be headed down to the golf course as soon as the show's over. Sue, so, uh, how can people get involved, and um, what can people do to help our um, kids' cause, and, and what, what, what you guys are doing right now? Well, I mean, I'd just like to take a minute to just do a shout-out to IMI, who has, this is the 14th year they've been presenting sponsors, and they are inviting all of these other construction um, uh, businesses into a space to support us and help us. So they're all sponsoring. They're, they're, they're supporting us financially. Um, you know, and, and again, it's IMI. They are the heroes here. Um, CMEX, Lehigh Hanson, ABC Polymer Fiber Force, uh, Bulk First, Bootsy Unison USA, Rogers Group, the Kingston Group, Vulcan Materials Company. These are, um, you know, the construction sector is just stepping up and absolutely making sure that we have everything that we need to run our clinic and to, and to, to be there for every child that needs us in Middle Tennessee. And I think I'd love for people to go to OurKidsCenter.com and learn more. Um, we, of, of course, we would love for people to volunteer, to, to, to uh, make a financial contribution. And I'd also like to invite you to go to uh, whatifitoldyou.com. That's a, that's a, a, a national campaign to really um, help people have access to information and resources about child sexual abuse. And it's a national campaign. We've reached um, over 64,000 people, and um, it's, it's just very exciting. Sue Fort White, uh, boss lady extraordinaire, if you're okay with that title, of our kids. Um, takes care of, again, 47 counties, all the uh, sexually abused children of Middle Tennessee. Thank you, Sue, and we will see you well, soon. Brian, you you raise the bar as an ambassador and a board member. Thank you. Well, it's my, my pleasure, Sue. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Absolutely. So, uh, again, our center, uh, ourkidscenter.com is the website. Uh, I do appreciate you guys letting me um, – you know, spend a few minutes talking about something that's not, you know, Preds opening day or Titans or Vols or whatever. I know we've got a lot of important stuff to get to, but I do appreciate you guys letting me. Well, none of it's more so, important than that. So, well, it's. I it, mean, you know that because, I mean, my wife works in the same field. so Right. And, and um, again, I think it's amazing. Again, the number you need to know, one in four girls and one in seven boys will will experience some sort of trauma of, of, of this, uh, a sexual assault nature by the time they're 18 years old. Which means if you look around the classroom with your child, and you have twenty, ki- your kids are in a classroom of twenty. Yeah. That you, you know, if there are ten girls in that class, two of them have are, are, are the odds are two of them have dealt with this, and and it's it's I, I can't think of anything more important than taking care of the kids and the children of our communities. And um, you know, it, it, uh, listen, ourkidscenter.com is the website. Check out my Twitter account at Braden Gall. I'm going to be posting the link to the silent auction. It goes on for like a week. You can get all kinds of – my wife's already planning on buying a bunch of Christmas presents there. You can get all kinds of really cool stuff, Preds gear. Um, it gets you ready for a game if you're going there. we got golf gear. we got vacations, food, food gift cards, all kinds of really cool stuff. So there's a great silent auction, and all the money goes to help children. So I don't 
I don't know what else uh, I can say. Uh, thank you guys for letting me do it. I appreciate it. All right, coming up next, we will do another edition of Stick to Sports here on Morning Drive on ESPN 102.5 Game. It is Morning Drive, live this morning. Pete and Terry's Tavern, Bridgestone Arena. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you. Coming up in 15 minutes, you will get everything you need to know about the Titans' opponent, the Buffalo Bills, as we go behind enemy lines. But right now, let's do what we do each and every day at 845, or there a boot. Let's stick to sports. The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. And now, on Morning Drive. Yes, indeed. Number 85, stick to sports would be BTYB. And that means brought to you by Decorating Den Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorating Den. When you are ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces, request a complimentary appointment. At decoratedead.com. Hit me, hit me. Let's go. Number one. All right, Nick, you were off yesterday, man, and you um, you had an interesting tweet about having a different respect for kindergarten teachers dealing with 25- and 6-year-olds on the daily. Now, what what did you do yesterday and, you know, kind of explain to the audience what you had to do with these, uh, you know, going to this kindergarten class yesterday? Yeah, went to the daughter's kindergarten for two hours. It felt like 20 hours. Watched uh, 20 kids wreak havoc on a uh, 25-year-old teacher who, for some reason, enjoys doing that day in and day out. Uh, it would lead me to drink Tito's until I and keel uh, over, but more respect to them. And and for, for not nearly enough money as well, by the way. It's, uh, teachers True. Uh, com- dra- dramatically underpaid. They, the, the, most of these people do it because they love kids. I, I say all the time, if, if you are contemplating with your significant other having a child and you are unsure of whether or not you are prepared or ready to have a child, go tour a daycare of two-year-olds. It will be the greatest contraception on the planet. If you are not ready, you will know when you walk into that, that daycare room. Uh, the, the, the men and women who run daycares and our teachers in our communities are absolute heroes let's think about this real quickly let's let's a little little poll question either or Mm -hmm. if if all of us could be a school teacher would you rather teach kindergartners or would you rather teach high school kids both present different challenges yeah i'd go high school you go high school yeah uh i go kindergarten yeah yeah mentally it's far easier at kindergarten Physically, it's very different. It's much more exhausting i think i'd go high school i'd go with because i can get them a nap i can get a kindergarten as a nap I give a few naps throughout the day. How but, many naps? Like, do you, do you go to first grade and get naps? Not first grade. I, I think, think kindergarten so. you got kindergarten naps. Kindergarten, yeah. You get a nap. So I put them in a nap. Put them in a nap. <laughs> if I was a high school teacher, I would be a gym teacher slash football coach. Uh, I think that's kind of cheating. Or driver's that, ed. I think that, again, I think that's kind of cheating. You Nothing gotta, too taxing. Well, no, you have to actually be a, We're talking about actual teachers here, right? Ones that actually care about educating the youths of America, but you not, know how it is for the like, coach. like the high school football coach who's also a teacher. Well, yeah. sure, sure, but you're but what you're saying is if you were going to be a high school teacher, you'd rather be a football coach. If you had to be a teacher where you had to teach a subject, history. I, I'm with you. I kind of like history. History's it's important. Nobody knows about it anymore in this country. Uh, it's fun. I don't know. I like history. History's cool. It's way more fun than math or. Well, see, but that's the thing. If grammar. I, if I was a math teacher, the only numbers I would be talking about are spreads. 
So like I'd have the whiteboard, like, okay, guys, Tennessee's a four and a half no, point underdog. It should be Nick and I's math class. At like at, we'll do like senior level math classes around the area, and it'll be all yards per play and point spreads. <laughs> so, listen, uh, this is how you calculate quarterback rating. It's a really bizarre formula. Stick with us, kids. You'll have a test later. Next. Number two. All right. Be careful when you're using like these I squares that people walk around with and you got to, you know, pay whether you're paying for like a beer vendor. Because in Miami at the Miami Dolphins Chargers game, some, a fan, a Chargers fan was charged $724 for two beers because one of the vendors who had an I square that was, he was, Working with a company called Rocket Man, which is a stadium company, stadium system company. And so instead of using the company stuff, he used his own personal I-square to have this person pay for their beers. And that charged that person $724 just for two beers. And this person was eventually caught and arrested. And now he's facing third-degree grand theft and possession of scamming devices. So. Is, is, well, it, is the I-square just a little thing that plugs into the bottom of the yeah. phone? Yeah, pretty much. You, you plug yeah. it into your phone, and then it's like an app where you can wow. go on. People can pay for I know my barbers use them where you can pay for your haircut yeah, if yeah, you have yeah. a credit card. So. No, I, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting scam, if you just, but you couldn't do it a second time. Once you, once you work one day at one game, you yeah. can swipe a bunch of credit cards, take all their money, but then you'd have to leave town. But see what's, <laughs> so you, but see what's dumb about so it this, is, though, when you use the iSquare, you have to get their phone number, and they send you a receipt, like, immediately. So this guy must have just, like, like swiped it, gave him his card, and ran off, because as soon as you pay for it, it sends you a receipt, like, right away in text message. So I don't know how he got away with it. So, he, he so this company's <laughs> working with Rocket Man? I didn't know Kim Jong-un was in that business. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I thought Elton John. I thought Elton John when I heard Rocket Man. And what's really funny is you went to, you went to North Korea. I did. You couldn't wait to say <laughs> that. Little little, little, I was so ready. Little Rocket Man. Oh, my goodness, man. Let's quit. <laughs> really quit validating Little Rocket Man. Oh, man. All right. So a Florida man has been busted for snipping. Florida man. Yeah, basically. Breaking <laughs> lines, breaking the um, the brake lines Rocket off of electric scooters in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, what? Florida. He basically snipped a total of 20 electric scooters oh and snipped the brake lines. And since October, well, since April, 140 electric scooters have been vandalized in this case scenario since April. So, look, I know I don't like scooters either. I, I don't like these things, but I'm not going to go as far as snipping the brake lines on these things. Yeah, well, no, you're, tr- you're, you're trying to injure, but you're hurting people at that point. Well, at that point, you know the line is snipped. You can see it. So you're not going to You can tell? It. Well, wow. yeah, it's a it's a cord that it goes. You can tell the dude. Line you think snipped. that some gir- some some dude or some girl are jumping on some scooter in downtown Nashville? No, you can see and it. See the cord yeah, being cut. You can see it because if it's just like any other scooter, electric scooters, the you can see the cord. It's like a bike line. It's like yeah, a bike it's like line. a bike. But so I don't think people notice that stuff, man. Well, no one's been injured, which is good. Which means is that true, you know, Marquise? No one's been hurt. Well, no, no one's been hurt. I guess they yeah. they found out oh about that. You can Thank see them because they see them and then you don't use them. Yeah, there so was we're surveillance sitting... footage of this guy basically tampering oh, with the scooters. So, so that's how he got caught. So, so we're sitting here. You know, Pete and Terry's is right on the the most sloped portion of Demombrian, right here next to the Music City Center. And people on those scooters come flying down this hill 
all the time at all hours of the day and night. If you came flying down this hill towards the Country Music Hall of Fame on Demumbrian and you didn't have a brake line, you are done when you get you. to that intersection. You are done. That is some dangerous stuff. Well, you better know what you're getting on. Well, I mean, if you get snipped, you are done. That's no, not, not really. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, you can go. You can get that thing reversed. Yeah, I've been investigating, Nick. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to get. No, I'm not going down that I'm, route. I'm, I've been investigating. I'll be going down that route shortly. Uh, <laughs> I want to be able to break. Two's enough for me. I want to be able to break when I need to. <laughs> All right, final one, Hollywood. Number four. All right, so a Chinese man that was 63 years old was hiding for 17 years after escaping from jail in a cave, and police find it, finally found this person through a drone. Pretty much a drone flying over a cave finally found a man that that's escaped from jail, and he's been missing for 17 years. It's, so he escaped from jail, hid in a cave for 17 years, and then it took a drone, a drone, to actually find this guy. Where, where, where was this? Was it in China or was it here? This was in China. Definitely this was in China? Here. Yes. I wonder what the man you, did you, after 17 years they're still looking for him. If you live on mainland China, you don't normally escape from prison. Let's just put it at that. But I'm trying to figure out what did he do? Was it was he like a murderer or no, something? No, he probably did nothing. Where, he probably had free speech. and then Where after well, 17 years they still original, was looking for him? No, you, the rules, in law, rules of law and democracy man. don't apply in, in, in communist China. You, 17 you cannot, years. He, After I, 17 I, years, no, I don't know. Hey. No, he's been gone be clear. for 17 years. So it's like if, you're, if you've been gone for 17 years and they've been looking for you and you've been in a cave the entire time in this 17 years and it takes a drone, a, a drone that you just fly over to actually find this guy instead of well, the actual police department finding why him. Would, well, that's the problem. It's not – I'm not going to get into it. But it, like if, if, if you've escaped from prison in China, why would you not just leave the country? Well, you can't leave the country. Well, yeah, I they, guess, got a lot of, they got a lot of border, man. They, you ain't, no, they're going to catch ain't you. no wall. They well, I guess there's you. one wall over there. They're going to catch you before you leave you. He did, <laughs> he did right, but, I mean, the drone caught him. Go, go read about the protests in Hong Kong right now. You ain't escaping the Chinese government on mainland China. All right, that's going to do it for us for Stick to Sports here on a Thursday. Don't forget, one hour from now, actually less than an hour from now, 9.45 this morning, we will announce our random winner of the Predators opening night tickets against the Minnesota Wild. You still have about 40 minutes to get on out here to Pete and Terry's Tavern and register to get those tickets. We will come back and kick off the final hour of the show with Behind the Enemy Lines. The Tennessee Titans host the Buffalo Bills this week. What type of challenges does Buffalo present? Find out next on Morning Drive.